Welcome to episode 27 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times here with Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. And week two of the season is in the books. we got a lot to talk about, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, obviously the, the Thanksgiving tournaments are one thing, but then we hit that Chicago League Classic where there's so many games and the shootout at Ridgewood on Sunday. So there's a whole bunch of games. And then now we really start to get into the heat of that conference season and between now and Christmas, a couple of weeks, good conference showdowns, a couple of non-conference games, but, uh, took in a lot of basketball this weekend, Mike, and both from the national scene and local scene, it's fun to kind of compare and contrast, like maybe not so much this year because well, we'll get into that, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, uh, there is a lot to get to. It wasn't super great. And we're going to start out with questions. Then we're going to go into what happened this week. Talk a little bit about the shootouts over the weekend, Chicago elite classic, Uh, what happened at Ridgewood, and then we're going to, at the end, look ahead to... Actually, it's a really interesting slate of games this week, especially in the city, a couple ones in the suburbs. So let's start it right out with the questions. Uh, Thanks so much for sending these, everybody. Again, you can always send them to my email. It's mobrien at suntimes.com, M-O-B-R-I-E-N at suntimes.com. The first question, the most important question... We could almost end the podcast after this question, Joe. Steve Shaw, he wants to know, how real do you think Joliet West is? They are very young, but talented. Top five school next year? What about this year? You're going to like my answer, Mike. (laughs) Uh, I do think they're going to be top ten, a top ten type team next year. There's still a long way to go to see how this season plays out. But they do have that potential to be a, I don't know about top five, but a a top ten, top fifteen team a year from now. And that's not to say they can't creep into the top 15 this year. I, I really think they have a legitimate shot of winning that Southwest Suburban Blue. And if they win that, that puts them ahead of a lot of teams that are in their sectional. And if you look, I know we're looking way far ahead, but if the sectionals stay the same, that sectional that they're in is going to be terrible. It's going to be the one of the weakest sectionals in the Chicagoland area. And Joliet West will be a top four seed. I mean, you're looking at, you know, a very young Bolingbrook team that's in that sectional. You're looking at, well, Joliet West was a nine seed last year, lost in the regional semis pretty easily, I think, to Manuka, I believe. And now you're looking at a struggling Nequa Valley team, which is as down as I've seen it in over a decade. The Oswegos and the Plainfields are not at the level they've been over the recent years. Uh, so you're looking at a team in Joliet West who could legitimately be a one seed, and again, it's far away, and win a sectional championship this year because of the sectional that they're playing in, if all things considered, they're in the same sectional as a year ago. That's a very good point, Joe. Not One I'd thought about a lot because I'm into Joliet basketball. To me, anything less than the one seed in that would be very disappointing. I, I think they should be able to get the one seed. Um, I've got them ranked number 12 right now, Steve, uh, right. to answer your question. And I've seen them, and I've seen most of the teams now in my top 12. Actually, I'm looking. I've seen all of the teams in my top. Oh, nope, not Bogan and Kenwood, sorry. Um, and the only team I'm sure that would beat Joliet West um, is Morgan Park. Anybody else I think they can play with. 
Uh, the key to them is not even obviously Trevian Bell and Tevion Kirk are keys, but it's everybody else. They are loaded. They've got some big bodies. They've got sophomores that can play that we don't even know about that are just getting you know five and ten minutes here and there that are really contributing. You know some strong juniors. It, it's a solid fifteen. You know it's not just a couple star guys and and some supporting parts. We'll find out for sure at Pontiac because right. they, they will definitely run into Simeon or Curie. They're going to get some seasoning here in the next two weeks leading up to what should be a really good, solid Pontiac holiday tournament. Julia West is going to be one that a lot of people are going to keep an eye on to see. Not only, if, you know, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to win the thing, but uh, I, I, I do think, you know, to see them get into maybe a semifinal round against a Curie or a Simeon uh, would set up nicely for them just to kind of gauge – where they are at with this young group and with some, you know, growing expectations. My favorite stat from the Juliet West win over Bolingbroke, Tevion Kirk, 12 assists. Um, most of the teams at the Chicago Elite Classic did not have 12 assists in their games. I think it was Rick Melnati who once told me, and maybe he says it a lot, that good teams assist on, you know, at least half. Are those your stats? Uh, of their baskets. No, they are not my stats. I, I did not because, cover the Juliet West game. All right. I, um, uh, I have a public service announcement to all parents and AAU coaches. Don't send me your stats anymore. I think it was I, Com- it was Comcast. I think it was CSN right. that okay. I got it from. But, yeah, that, that's one thing we can talk about later, about a lot of hype about a lot of young point guards at the Chicago Elite Classic, and their turnover to assist ratio was horrific. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll move on uh, to the next question. Tim James Hey guys, love the podcast. So far this season, who are the top five breakout players who weren't really mentioned in the preseason who are off to fast starts? Also, the top five teams who weren't mentioned are a lot better than expected. Thanks. Mike, I get always kind of twist and turn on that type of question because I I almost like to hear your reply or input on the on the breakout players because you, you, you get it in your head for somebody like me who evaluates 12 months a year and you see them all spring, you see them all summer, and you start kind of assuming that people already know of of these players before they really do just because you've been watching them and you've been talking about them so much and you I mean me but um you know I, I the players that I highlighted really at the beginning of the year have really kind of backed up my assumption that of their breakouts like the Demarius Jacobs of the world the uh the Evan Gilliards even though he's only played one game um you know some of these juniors but you know, I, Nana Atkinson of Bolingbrook. Uh, I, there's a surplus of kids uh, in that junior class that have kind of done what I've, what I kind of expected and assumed that they would do. Yeah, boy, there have been. I've seen so many players that um, already two weeks in that. I think first off, we have to say that right now, maybe you would have to say universally the biggest breakout just based on how his team is doing and what his numbers are is Glenbard West, Justin Pierce. Uh, he's made right. people talk. People are thinking about Glenbard West basketball like they haven't in a long time. And so I, I think he has to be number one. Of yeah, the that's my perfect example. Really you know, you, 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 in the spring and summer, you're watching him so much and he's getting the scholarship offers. And, uh, but again, I mean, for the high school basketball season and as a high school basketball player, you're absolutely right. You know, in a couple of, uh, uh, kids. Tawan Agee is an unknown at Hyde Park, six 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 seven four. He's going to start getting Division One offers, and nobody even knew about him coming into the season. To be honest with you, I mean they really didn't. And he is he is going to keep climbing my rankings. He is going to keep 
grabbing more attention in terms of from college coaches and subscribers, or I'm sorry, and uh, college coaches and scholarship offers. And uh, George Wilborn at De La Salle has kind of broken out. Yeah. I, I was high on him as a sophomore. He was pretty good last year. Uh, he battled some inconsistency, but he's broken out. He's a big-time athlete uh, as a guard at De La Salle. And, you know, we saw a junior this weekend, uh, Jacob Keller at, at Fenwick, who, you know, again, another player I saw a ton of this spring and summer who I like, a physical guard who gets to the basket. He's got a Division One, two or a couple of Division One offers already, but he's a player not a lot of people know about. He played really well in the Chicago League Classic and was a really the uh, a prime reason why they beat Oak Park. Yeah, the other, I would say, breakout players, to me, he was the biggest local breakout player at the Chicago League Classic. It was Riverside Brookfield's Mark Smith. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of him last year, and he was a, a, a good player, but he was nowhere near as good as he was on Saturday, especially considering he had an injury. If RB has a big a, a big man like that producing like he did that day, they're going to be even better than I thought. Well, they're going to need them. They're going to need him to be like that uh, all year because that's the one kind of weakness they do have is a presence inside and depth and, 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 and some balance between inside and outside. So, yeah, you're exactly right. He was big. The other guys I'll mention that I saw, Austin Ritchie from Marion Catholic, has put together a lot of solid games, and he's somebody I didn't know anything about at all. Big sleeper, Mike. Yeah. He is a he's a prospect too. I mean, he's not just a player. He is going to open eyes this year uh, with his. He's a he's a sneaky athlete with a good good shooting range as well. Uh, Trellin Morrow and Jeffrey Boyd from HF are two who really. Uh, Definitely, right away. Jeffrey Boyd, especially, he passes the look test. And Trellin Morrow is so confident. You know, he didn't play in the Joliet Central loss, from what I'm hearing. And that that's a big, big loss for them in that game. As far as the teams, I mean, there's a couple of public league teams, Farragut being one of them, uh, who I didn't know a whole lot about. And Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park, I think they're 4-1 and one or 5-1. and one. And it's not just... The, the record, but it's the, you know they've played some decent competition, quality opponents. Um, they've lost two now. They lost to Bennett and, two, and they lost to Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, so no shame. Two two good losses, but yeah. I think they beat New Trier by twenty and they beat Loyola by ten. Yeah, more about them being more competitive at a higher level than I anticipated. Seton Academy is another uh, team that you know I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge on going into the season uh, and. You know what? I know Maine South didn't beat anybody really at Thanksgiving, but here they are again sitting. Aren't they five and zero? Yeah, but I, I'm just saying. Let's, I, let's I, please let's not start this again. No, I agree. They've beaten I, Chicago I, Math and Science, I Maine West, Prosser. No, I wouldn't have thought they would beat Loyola Academy either. Uh, so I, I just they're I, getting ranked by people already, and I mean, they are yes. It's oh. I don't. I always come off as this Maine South hater. I'm not a Maine South hater. But at this point, to rank Maine South, I'm sorry. No, I'm not going that far. I just have they, I'm surprised they're five and zero. That's all. But it's it's Chicago Math and Science, Maine West, Prosser. I would have never Liberty. thought they beat Loyola. Well, they didn't beat them by anywhere near as much as Lincoln Park did. A win's a win, man. I guess, but yeah. Hey, this shows you though. You go get yourself a win in the Chicago Elite Classic. Well, and this goes uh, also. Be, I mean, be fine. I was searching for. You brought it up last week. The unbeatens. I mean, yeah, we really don't have any unbeatens. No, it, it's pretty rough. That that that's true. So we'll give Maine South credit for that. But I mean, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, 
Hit it up here. Next question. I'm um, from Richie Kwok. He's a good friend of the podcast. Saw him out at Ridgewood on Sunday. You know, high school basketball junkie checking in. Says, thanks for the coverage. Um, says a lot of complimentary things that I won't read. Um, he said, I was wondering what you guys think about Jaleel Okafor's recent off-the-court issues. Having followed his entire high school and college career, it seemed like he was a model student athlete. What happened? I was a big Jaleel Okafor fan. Always have been. I like the kid. He's been more than respectful to me and I, I stand by the kid but this goes into and I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to go out out of high school out of freshman year of college to go to the pros I, I'm not saying that I think it's their right that's how it should be I'm in that camp but man I it, it, the, the word that comes to mind is just kind of stupidity and that's what you get oftentimes with a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. You, you, you just you, – you, you sit there and you think about, again, everybody that goes to college up until the age 21 and the things they do and the things they say. This is a whole different platform he's on. And he just did some stupid things that are indicative, I think, of some problems when players do leave college, when they do go out of high school straight to the pros. And you're going to have those. So I, I just not and again. I'm not saying you can't, you shouldn't be allowed to do that, but that comes with the territory when those, when these types of things happen. I would just say, I, Richie's got the phrase. You know, it seemed like he was a model student athlete. What happened? I would say, in my advice to high school basketball and sports fans in general, you know, I have contact with these guys. Jaleel Okafor, like you said, Joe. I think he always called me Mister O'Brien. You know, he was. A nice kid. I don't have a, a bad word to say about him, but I have n- never, ever thought I knew any of these kids at all. I, I don't pretend to think anyone is a model anything, model student, a model No, but athlete. don't you don't you get a better feel for some kids than no, other kids, though? No, and I think it's very, very dangerous when we pretend we do have that. Oh, that, I agree with that. I, that I ends guess- up with Ryan Boatwright and Malik Yarbrough getting under-recruited and being called coach killers. And all these things that happen, my job especially, you know, I'm not into ranking anybody for recruiting or anything. My job is some end-of-season awards just to say the truth of what I know. And so when I go beyond what I actually know, that's when you get into trouble. And I think fans should be careful about that too. But there's also knowledge of, well, maybe it's because I'm in the recruiting stuff and I do this all year long and in the spring and summer but there is knowledge you gain or I gain on on kids that that I know for fact. And, and then there's knowledge that you never get, that you oh, don't right, know. Right, so, there it's, is so I think more, it's there, there are some kids you don't know a single thing about. And there's other kids you know a whole I whole I know a whole lot about. And ninety-five percent of which that you can't talk about in some cases. So Yeah. And we spent uh, what two years with Cliff Alexander as evil because he picked up an Illinois hat and put it down, and Julie Locafor is perfect. That was the narrative. Well, I don't. I don't necessarily think that was the only thing. I mean, <laughs> there there was other issues, but I mean, and it led to the eligibility, all these things. I mean, they're going to pile on when they when they do that kind of stuff. When sure. when that kind of stuff happens, no doubt. But if Jalil had been at Curie and Cliff had been at Young, who knows how eligibility would have gone? You know, I mean, wait, d- what? If Cliff Alexander went to a better high school that filled out their reports. 
you know, and had everything in line, he wouldn't have lost the city title to begin with. You know, I'll fill well, out right, the paperwork. All right, so placing the blame on Curie. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it, it depends when the kid starts. We just, just, we need to stop pretending we know these people. We don't know these people. Well, Jill- the other thing is, why do why does anybody care? Is, I mean. People want people to be good, and every once in a while it's fun to have a villain. I mean, it's natural. The whole world's a narrative, so we like. It's just to hard for me to have camps. villains in high school. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't see the point in having a villain in high school. Uh, Illini fans <laughs> like to. I'm uh, <laughs> to stop before we get in trouble. Um, okay, next one is Malcolm Lively. He's uh, asked some good questions in the past. Got some great ones now. You know the basically about the Chicago League class, so we need to hit these. Can't really put these off till next week, so we're going to try to go through them quick. He's got five questions here, but they're good. First one, how good will Nogel Eastern be on the next level? He seemed really skilled in person, but not very quick or athletic. He reminds me of Malcolm Hill. He may have looked a step slow compared to Morgan Park's quickness. I know you've seen him play before, so I wanted your take. Uh, I He's going to be a fine, high-major player. He's not going to be a superstar, I don't think. Uh, it's still early. I don't necessarily see Malcolm Hill in No Jelly Eastern. No Jelly Eastern has a much better feel, IQ for basketball. Uh, no Gel is not explosive. He's not an electric athlete, but he is a jack of all trades who's going to go to the next level and give you minutes at the one, the two, the three, and uh, and he's going to make people around him better. But he's going to have to go to a program, I think, where he's not maybe the focal point and centerpiece, where he has talent around him and he can make them better, and he can thrive off of that. See, I will take issue with the not explosive. He doesn't show it all game long. And, you know, he's coming off major surgery, and I've seen him twice this year, and maybe four or five times he's done a move where if you blink, you missed it. You know, and he was headed to the rim, and it was explosive. And so it's not for 32 minutes. But maybe that's part of coming off of surgery. And I guess I didn't think he was super explosive as a freshman. But now I'm starting to wonder. You know, there were two moves in that game in Morgan Park where, boy, did he take it in a way high school athletes just can't. And, I think and, he uses his smarts to to to, I, to find those never, opportunities. I would never put him in the explosive category. College coaches, that's their big concern. Um, and I get that, but sometimes. No, I, I agree. I, I remember specifically, too, yeah. a couple of – times in that shootout game against last winter against when he probably had his best game of his career was it yeah like uh, East. event yeah Glenbard East. uh yeah i mean he, i think he's gonna have uh i mean i i think right now he's still slowed i don't know if he's in the the, the optimal shape he's going to be in a month from now uh i i just he, he isn't he just hasn't played a lot of basketball even if he's right. physically okay he's just got to I mean, play some more basketball. seven six seven eight months of competitive yeah. basketball uh, but I love him as far as his intangibles and what he brings. And his size is terrific for a perimeter guy, and he's got a great feel. He's going to be fine at the next level. I just don't envision him as a, I don't know, uh, this ultimate difference maker, all-American type prospect. But I'm know, ready he, to wait and see. I'm, no, it's, it's early, no yeah, question. I'm ready to, uh, I've been encouraged by what I've seen. Even though one game I only scored four points, but I, I'm encouraged. It's going to be fun to watch this. Um, I like his demeanor. I like his attitude. Um, not trying to get into what yeah. kind of kid he is. Is he a but, model student athlete? <laughs> no. Uh, but no, I just I like the way he carries himself. I really do. Uh, next up, I also saw Christian Negron play. He looked pretty comfortable playing on the perimeter and seemed pretty athletic, but I didn't see him take many jumpers. How's his outside shot? Is U of I on his list? 
Uh, yes, you have, Illinois is recruiting him. They've offered uh, him. I they've believe, right? yes, yeah. they've. I wouldn't be shocked if if maybe somebody was watching um, Negron this weekend at the Geneva game from Illinois. Uh, I think Christian has continued to progress, but he still has ways to go with that perimeter jumper and his perimeter skills. And before he can become a ideal three at the high major level, he's going to have to do that because right now he's still projected, depending on what level he goes to, as an undersized four. Now, he's the kind of four, though, that people love at the next level because he has a little bit of that junkyard dog mentality. He rebounds. He plays up at the rim. He runs the floor. He blocks shots. He does all the things you can do and survive as being an undersized four if he ends up being that type of player. So, you know, again, it's early. I don't think he's, I think he's not going to grow much more. So he's going to have to continue to progress with the skill area uh, before he becomes a legitimate three-man. What I saw last season versus what I saw on Saturday was just a world apart. You always knew he had the physical capabilities. And last year was when the ball came near him, he might be able to do something pretty cool. This year, in that game, he was dictating and controlling the game at times. He was passing the ball well. You know, he was changing people's shots. He was just, he was all over the place. I, I was I really, love really impressed. I love him defensively. Yeah. And he is now able to face up, put it on the deck a little bit, two, three dribbles, get to the rim. I mean, he he continues to progress is what you love to see. And and he's the guy, kind of guy, Illinois, that's what they've got to get. He hasn't blown up nationally yet. You know, so get him now before next year. Who knows? Um, next up, Morgan Park looked great. I read an article on Josh Thomas, but if Charlie Moore, I wonder what article he's talking about, but if Charlie Moore plays like he played in the first two games, Josh and everyone else will be a far second. My question is, does Morgan Park have enough size to win 3A? Uh, yes, there's no question they have enough everything to win 3A. Charlie Moore is my favorite for player of the year. I don't count the 55-point intramural game as one of the games. But you're counting Maine South's final. Uh, no, I mean, it'll, 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 it'll go on the stats, the 55 <laughs> yeah. points playing in the second. I won't get into that. But And he, he was very good at the Chicago League Classic. I don't know if he was off the charts. He's my player of the year type game. But Charlie Moore is the, to me, was the favorite and will continue to be, uh, especially as Morgan Park plays out this season, because they're going to be, you know, a, a very tough out in Class Three A. Uh, if I voted for Player of the Year right now, I had it in the favorite. It would be Nick, um, just because Charlie's only played two games. And, uh, Nick's been pretty stellar. St. Joe's might have the best resume of any team in the area right now, and he's been the best player in all of those games. I'll opt uh, out of the December seventh Player of the Year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, the vote. Yeah, but no, I think it's going to be close. I think Charlie's far from a runaway. Um, no, yeah, choice. we said that at the beginning of the year. There's, yeah. you know, as far as teams and players, there's not runaway teams or players in this this year, and that's that's what we've seen so far. Morgan Park has more size than Belleville Altoff, um, so of course they have enough size to win. You know, they don't have one guy that they can count on every time, but they've got four guys who can, you know, consistently rebound and try to rebound, which is mainly the key in high school basketball, is that they're crashing the boards at all times. Now, if they're going to get scoring out of those guys, that's the question. You know, if Chapman, this Linnell Henry, boy, he was a revelation. He was running the point <laughs> at times for Morgan Park. He was something else. He's a big boy. Um, next up, and I don't, I don't know about this, any word on why Paul White hasn't played yet for Georgetown? I know he had an injury early on. I can't remember what the injury was. Yeah, I would, I would have asked his mom, who was running uh, the uh, media stuff at the Chicago League Classic. I didn't know he wasn't playing. Um, so we can't answer that one. But the next one I can answer. 
It's probably my third question about this kid, but I'll keep asking until I actually see him play. Uh, he wants to know about if Jalen Fleming is getting any time at Mount Carmel. Yes, he is. Um, the game I play, I play the game I played. The game I watched, he came off the bench and actually had a lot of playing time and was pretty decent. And he's grown quite a bit up and out. He's strong. He's much taller. Um, I, I think he's going to have a, a pretty nice couple years for Mount Carmel for a team that maybe should have gotten my number 25 spot. Mount Carmel's 5-1 and one right now. Only losses to Evanston. And so, yeah, I think Jalen Fleming's kind of worth checking out at this point. Another breakout player, Mount Carmel's Christian Peavy. Get a, get a look at him. He's he's a good-looking ta- good talent. Um, and f- this is going to be f- the final question of the podcast. Brian Moran, who has not answered or asked a question before, says he's a big fan of the podcast. After seeing many game great games at the Chicago League Classic this weekend, who from Illinois and who overall would we pick as the tournament MVP? I think overall is pretty easy. Yeah, Jason Tatum from Chaminade, no question. Um, and for for the for the win, the production, and what he did for his team, and he's not a high level prospect, but Jamal Burton from Oregon Park was was probably, uh, you know, he and Zach Norvell were the two guys that fueled their team's wins uh, of the Illinois teams. Yeah, that's a, hmm. I had a little bit more trouble picking this one than I thought I would. I think I'll go with Zach Norvell. Um, you know, he had like nine boards too, I think. Yeah, eight, eight, or, nine eight boards. or nine rebounds. Yeah, yeah I think I'll, I'll pick Zach Norvell as my uh, MVP, especially because they needed every, turned out they needed every point and rebound of that at the end, whereas Morgan yeah. Park might have been able to win even without Jamal Burton. Right. Um, all right. So thanks everybody for the questions. A lot of good stuff in there. So, uh, let's kind of go through a little bit about what happened this week. I uh, we'll start out with Chicago League Classic since that was the biggest and the biggest game in it. Well, two huge games from a local perspective. It was Simeon's win over Young, which if you watched it, I don't know what anybody thinks they really learned about both these two teams because I'm pretty puzzled. Um, first game. I, I, yeah. I mean, this is... I mean, Whitney Young has a bunch of guys who haven't played much varsity game experience. Um, I mean, it, literally, it is a first game. So I, I just... I guess what I learned from Simeon is what I wanted to learn. I was very pleased with... It's really clear that Evan Gilliard, Josh Thomas, and Zach Norvell are going to play 32 minutes. You know, they're going to be the team. And then Robert Smith's going to, you know, piece in around them. And do what, though? That's, the, that's what I left as my question mark is... But that's better than the, the the line change thing. I was worried right. you were going to have another five in, five out. Right. Here. There's just so many guys. I mean, how many guys do they play that game? Do you remember? I've got it right here. I mean, they play nine guys, maybe ten. I think a lot less, less than I um, ex- less than you think. Well, at least eight. Nine. All right, they played nine guys and Kizo that's Brown. That's not many for Simeon. Actually. Yeah, that's, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. So Devin Glass, Terrell Phipps, Kizo Brown. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a good guys. point. They couldn't play. <laughs> they couldn't play. Yeah. So And Kizo was a f- major factor last year. They have big hopes for Phipps because he brings some size at 6'8". And Devin Glass is probably as talented as, as some guys that are already on the floor. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how Rob Smith – and again, I wrote a little bit about this yesterday in my piece on the review of the event. A lot of that just plays itself out with buying in and, and defensively and who's producing. So, but it's still going to be a task because there's 
there's not a lot of separation between a lot of those guys, particularly the young ones. Yeah, it's going to come down to size for a lot of it. Coupette is going to, and Gordon are going to be in there, and Phipps when he gets back because they're bigger. But some is going to be left and out of the mix by by January February. One of those guys, one of the older players, I really think is going to be phased out. I don't know who it'll be. I just um, it, it, there, there's just a little bit too much talent in the lower levels that. I think are going to force themselves as they gain maturity and they gain varsity experience that are going to be forced to play more minutes. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, he's going to have to improve or it's going to be Ben Coupette. That's the first issue. Sure. He's not offering anything offensively. He was okay rebounding, but I think he had five rebounds. I think he had four rebounds that he grabbed and then somebody took the ball from him, you know, by the time he got it down. And so unless that changes, he's going to be the, of the older guys, the one that's sitting for sure. But Young looked like a timid first game, first varsity, big stage. That first half, I mean, it, it, they looked bad. Yeah. And but I, I still have confidence in them and being a team that's going to progressively get better. And I absolutely love their point guard Xavier Casaneda. I, I I think the world of him. I think he's one of the best players in the state, regardless of class. And he is going to be the key. I mean, he. this is his team. And to have that piece at point guard is going to help alleviate some problems. Not next week, not two weeks. I'm talking February and when comes state tournament time. Yeah, you look at the stats for this game, and it's kind of a miracle that Young got back in it. You know, they were 12 of 22 from the free throw line, 3 of 14 from 3, out-rebounded by 10, you know, a lot of turnovers. In the warm-up, when it started, you knew right away things were bad. It's never a good sign. If you ever boarded a high school basketball game, especially a high-profile one before it starts, take a look at what the uh, team is watching during warm-ups. The young kids were looking way too much over at Simeon. It was not a good sign for them at all, and they played like it in the first half. But then they came out in the second half, and they were they showed their toughness to me. They never gave up. You know, so many times. I think they are down by 19 early in the fourth quarter. You know, and they came back and fought and really forced Evan Gilliard and Simeon into a ton of turnovers at the end. Enough stuff that as good as Evan Gilliard was during the game, and I think as much as Castaneda controlled things for Young, Evan Gilliard did on the Simeon end of the court. But you got to be concerned if you're a Simeon fan about what happened to Evan Gilliard at the end of the game. I mean, he was upfront about it after the game that he was just turning the ball over constantly. You know, at the end, he's got to fix that. He ended up with seven turnovers. I think four of those were in the last minute. I mean, it, it was really, really concerning to see Simeon kind of try to give that game away at the end. Overall, it was, though, a much more solid performance from Simeon, especially in the first half. I just don't like, well, I wouldn't want to play Simeon my first game of no. any season. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's a draw, the young Simeon game. It's excitement. It adds to the event, but... That as a first game, as a, as a Simeon Whitney Young, particularly Whitney Young in this in this season, I guess I give credit to Young for scheduling or playing Simeon with such a young group and the first game of the season. But that that I don't know, I, I don't like it. Yeah, they know what they're getting into now. Lucas Williamson talked a little bit about that, about how you know he'd been through a lot of these, and it, he just knew that a lot of the other guys were going to get their first taste. So I guess they got that out of the way. Uh, the I was other- I was just I was maybe equally disappointed in the Morgan Park Evanston game. <laughs> I, uh, I I just I thought it was gonna be a little bit cleaner. I thought I'd be a little bit more competitive. 
Uh, I thought defensively, kind of both teams. I mean, I Evanston will we'll figure some things out again. Over the, again, we're still talking two, three weeks into a season. Uh, but even Morgan Park, I mean, that, it, second chance scoring opportunities, rebounding. You know, particularly in the first half. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I came away both the high-profile Illinois games a little disappointed. See, I, I was very impressed with Morgan Park. No, I, it, it looked good. I, yeah. I, 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 I guess we're going more. I thought Evanston would be more competitive. Um, I mean, Evanston played pretty poorly, and I, I just anticipated. I didn't think Evanston was going to beat them. I, I just anticipated them playing, having played four games or however many games they've already played. I, I just thought they'd be a little bit better, cleaner, tighter game than than we what we saw. Yeah, I think they. I think we would have seen that from Evanston against Simeon or against Young, but that, it's why Morgan Park's been in you know three consecutive, well, whatever, third finished third place last year, but. You can't simulate what Morgan Park does to you and the chaos they create and the runouts and the yeah. constant pressure. Yeah, I, it's I so agree. difficult to deal with. And Nick Irvin does not get enough credit for that. Pe- people just don't understand. I think that yeah, it looks chaotic, but when you're the ones causing the chaos and you revel in playing in it, it's just really hard for a great coach to even prepare his team for. And people could say whatever they want about Nick Irvin and Morgan Park and just what you're saying, but I tell you what, over the last I'll say four years, there's not a team that has played with more energy, more competitively, and harder on a consistent basis than Morgan Park. Not one single team I've seen. Yeah, you're you're and, 100% correct. And that goes with what you're talking about as a coach and what they are about. And, I, again, it's hard to – you just have to expect that when you're going in there to play Morgan Park. And teams that aren't, I mean, uh, it, it, like you said, it's just so hard to replicate what they do to you. Um, moving on here from the Chicago League Club. Well, we can hit the other ones quickly. RB put in a nice showing, I thought, against a really good Gonzaga team. Um, they were RB was missing Skylar Nash and Henry Trellenberg, but... I mean, I, I thought they looked pretty good. I didn't expect them to win that game. They had a close for maybe two and a half, almost three quarters. Uh, what was your thoughts on that one, Joe? Uh, it, it went about how I thought it would go. I, I, I thought they'd be able to – exactly, exactly how it would go. I thought they'd be able to hang and because they have guards to be able to hang with teams. And But, again, I, I came away from there with, with not many answers – to what I wanted to see out of Riverside Brookfield because I think I think you mentioned it. Um, their opponent is probably and, and this goes into the whole event. The four best teams were out of state teams. And that's kind of too bad. Uh the five best players were out of state players. So that is a different that that's completely different than what we've seen at the Chicago League Classic the previous three years. So I guess what I'm going back to saying is Marion Catholic was way overmatched by modern day. Marion Catholic really struggled. Riverside Brookfield, yes, they hung with them, but I, you never got a sense that they were going to be able to, I, I just never thought they could stick with them, and, and I, I anticipated it getting away from them, which it did. And so in those types of games, I don't know how I could take a whole lot from them. 
when we're match up against these out-of-state teams. I think I took a lot from the RB game. I thought it was the best played game of the two days. I thought there was great flow to it. Both teams were hitting shots. That that part's true. You know, and I think the fact that RB this early in the season was able to play that kind of game against such a good team is a really, really great sign for them. So I I took a, a ton from that. I'm very confident in RB. They, they they just had a, they were capable. Yeah, they they don't have the talent and they weren't good enough, but they were capable to play a really fun game to watch with a team like that. And I think especially with what we've got going on in the area this year, that's going to take them. I'm still waiting for them to just lock down defensively and and get stop after stop when they need them, uh, and, and that's what got away from them in the third quarter. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and turning those, those guys were fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and again, that's why I, I don't know how many teams they'll play like that uh, between now and Peoria. I mean, I, I just, uh, but you know the the local teams. I mean, Marion Catholic struggled. Um, you know, the Oak Park Oak Park team is going to be one I think we're going to have to try to figure out between now and Christmas because they are struggling a bit. They – Fenwick has just got that – you win with guards. And Mike Smith is the catalyst. He's so solid and poised and makes good decisions. And, and then you got these supplemental parts around him uh, they don't have much size, and that could hurt them. But I, I like Fenwick. They are who I thought they were. Um, some of the other big things we should mention from this week, maybe the biggest upset of the week was Thorn Ridge knocked off Bradley Bourbonnet, who was number 10 at the time, 77-66. to 66. Um, I didn't know anything about Thorn Ridge. I know there was some drama about if Rocky Hill was going to stay on his coach. Uh, he did. But this is a huge win for Thorn Ridge. Dimitri Woods scored 25, and it's really it, – it just makes Bradley Bourbonnet look like the same team they were last year, where sometimes they're going to be really good, and then they're going to drop some games that they shouldn't. And then they did lose Peter Gray, a 12. You know, he would have been a 14, 15-point scorer for him this year. Terrific perimeter shooter. That hurt them a lot. But I think every week we could be talking about teams that were upset. You're right, I mean, but this was one of the teams. Yeah, they, a, yeah. No, I agree, and and – I, this this season, I mean, I, I don't know how it's going to play out really, but I mean, I, I really do think it's going to be just a season like no other. I, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I just, <laughs> I just, I, there's just not that many good teams, Mike. I mean, I mean, high level teams. Well, one team that may have proved that they're going to move into that for sure is Curie. Big big win over uh, a Canadian I told you team. Good. Yeah, they. I moved them up from seven to four. I mean, I, I saw them beat Proviso West. A Proviso West team that got a nice win over Downers North actually uh, this week, and, and they smashed Proviso West. The, you know, they they're playing a lot of guys. That always worries me a little bit, but it's a huge win for Curie. Um, I moved them up to number four. They're gonna. Well, if Devin Gage plays like that, exactly, and that I mean, that comes that, down to every. You know what you're gonna get from Joiner, right? Every and, night, yeah. I mean, if Gage is playing at a high level and producing at a high level and is engaged, um, that's that's a team. I mean, they are who I thought they were going to be at, at number three in my preseason number three team, and uh, that, that's a big win. I don't know how big of a win it is, again, because it's out of state. but uh, Any win at the Marshall County shootout is a big win. You know, I've been there enough times. That's a high-profile enough event. They don't bring cruddy teams in there, and that's a big-time atmosphere. I will 
regardless of knowing how good exactly Thonmaker's team is, Thonmaker is on it and was at that event, so I'm giving Curie full credit for a big-time victory. Um, other things from this week, uh, I'd, I'd like to mention the De La Salle-St. Joe's game. You know, De La Salle had a nice start to the season. George Wilborn had been putting up big numbers. We just mentioned about him. But I'm, I was surprised by just how much heck they gave St. Joe's this week. 51-47, to St. Joe's won. Nick Rakasevich had 18-17, and 17, and George Wilborn had 31. So I think De La Salle was uh, probably underranked by a lot of us in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, De La Salle is, with Wilborn, I mean, he is an explosive athletic force. And if he's going to put those types of numbers up, they're a different type of team. He's just been played by a little bit of inconsistency, but now he's a senior. And there's a lot there's a lot of teams in that Chicago Catholic League who, it's going to be very competitive. I mean, there's going to be a lot of games down the wire, close, tight. Uh, you got some teams in the top, you know, like a Seton and Mount Carmel now. Who I think you know five and one. Uh, and you got Fenwick St. Joe's. We're still going to wait for Ignatius to turn around. So I mean, there's a whole. There's probably six, seven, eight teams. Uh, I mean, St. Joe's and Fenwick are the yeah. are the two best. But there's six or seven besides those two. I think that on any given night are are going to be extremely competitive. Um, going to mention Downer South. Nice win over Proviso East. We know Proviso East is loaded, and it's nice to see Downer South kind of hold serve and continue to look like the team that we both think they could be this year. And then finally, Notre Dame and Lincoln Park. We hit on that a little bit. I watched that one yesterday on Sunday. Um, Lincoln Park isn't just like, oh, you know, they're better than we thought. No, Lincoln Park is good. Lincoln Park is as good as most of the teams I have in the rankings. They are going to I don't see any way they don't win the Red North. You know, I've already seen Foreman and Von Steuben. I haven't seen Uplift, but they got smashed uh, earlier this week. Who was that too? Um, it was bad. They lost by like 40. I'll look it up <laughs> in a little bit. But yeah, I think Lincoln North is the clear favorite in the Red North. I think they could definitely cause some trouble in the city tournament and, and in the state tournament looking ahead. They're more than one or two guys. They got six kids that can really play. They're athletic. They're tall. They got shooters. They've really got it all. A lot of credit has to go out, you know, to that new coach, Pat Gordon. He was uh, an assistant at Loyola previously. He's doing a really nice job over there. And they've come out of nowhere. I mean, they really you know, have. No, I, I'm, go back, I, listen to last year's podcast. I kept talking about how average Lincoln, Lincoln Park? Park was. Yes. Uh, I good, was really impressed you, then, with I, them. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see it coming as far as the – I mean, I thought they were going to be very competitive. I just – I didn't think they'd be yeah, near this good, but yeah. I thought they were average last year. So for them to become in this year a little bit better isn't super shocking to me, but credit goes to Pat Gordon. Um, and then Notre Dame is my first look at them. You know, they were ranked pretty high by a lot of us. I wasn't overly impressed without Amar Bakar having a huge game. They lose by 10. Mm. Um, it was a little worrisome. Um, Jamiro Wilson really did nothing at all tom less was on his case <laughs> the mm-hmm. entire game um you know he looked the part but he didn't really do anything at all he'd actually hit two huge free throws um that they really needed but i think he only had four points had a, a couple rebounds um so i don't hopefully he'll improve a bit but they had some size but it wasn't super effective i'm a little bit worried about notre dame's rank they're gonna have to prove it to me They'll be fine. Uh, trust over me. the next few. I hope so. You know, and that's the thing. I felt like Wilson was kind of slowing it down. You know, they moved the ball well. That's how Tom West teams have played the last few years. BBOS, bad basketball on Sundays. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, it was uh, 
it, it was a little worrisome. Um, all right, you ready to look ahead? That's a huge one, Mike. Thursday, what, one what, versus what two. What could that be? The Battle one, of Vincennes? One versus two, Morgan Park, Simeon. Uh, it's, to me, I look at it as a best of three series. This is game one because they're 3A, 4A. You could possibly see them as state champions in their respective classes. This is game one. They'll play again at Simia or at, at, at Morgan Park. I don't know when that. I think it's in January. And then I, I would anticipate they would be playing one another in the public leagues. At, well, I guess Curie or Kenwood could knock somebody off. But I, I think these two could play three times. And I don't like it this early. I, w- I would rather have like a January and come back in February. But um, – They'll, they'll tangle here this Thursday night, and and usually these are always awesome. I mean, they're they're a, they're a ton of fun. Uh, the crowds are energetic. It's just I, I love these games. This will be on the cube for those of you who at whatever time this is supposed to start. I've not begun to research that yet. Probably four or five or six. Um, you, you can catch it online. It should be a fun watch. I um I, I like that it's this early because I hated how it used to come. It would happen twice in like a two and a half week period. Yes, that, that's that's right. Um, I mean, you're obviously picking Morgan Park. You have them one. Uh, I have Simeon one and Morgan. We just have them reversed. I don't know if I'm. It's always the the underdog in this is a, wins a lot. You got to pick Morgan Park. You got them number one, and you just said the only team that would. For sure, beat Joliet West. Is Morgan, Morgan Park. Park. Morgan Park's looked so much, but this is at Simeon. And Simeon, when's the last time Simeon was an underdog in a home game? <laughs> I mean, I don't like that. <laughs> if I was a gambling man, ooh, that's all if the If you motive. were a gambling man, how big an underdog do you think they are? Three and a half, two and a half? <laughs> I just. No, you know, I, 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 in a neutral, I'd put the spread at about six. At Simeon? In a neutral venue at Simeon, I almost feel like Simeon would be favorite. I'm almost saying I'm going to have to pick them. I think it's a straight pick. Yeah, it's a tough one, but motivation means so much in this game, and I think Simeon has a lot of it now. Although they do have all those new pieces, so yeah, you got to make Morgan Park the favorite. You're right, um, but boy, it's going to be a fun one. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, other big games of the week. Unfortunately, this is also Thursday, so like no one will be there except for Kenwood and Hyde Park students, but I bet you there will be a ton of them. Uh, number six, Kenwood at number 18, Hyde Park. Hyde Park did lose one this week to Vocational, who I saw some of that, some clips of that game online. Vocational looked stunning. That's why I jumped them up from 25 to 13. I mean, they weren't just – they had some really stylish, fun basketball in that game. Quan Smith from Leo, the transfer, has really made a difference on that team. It looks like he's exactly what they needed to kind of bring together the pieces they had. Uh, so that's going to be a fun one to see if um, – well, sorry, I was got off on a vocational tangent. Um, to to no. see if uh, Hyde Park you know, can rebound from that and deal with Kenwood, who you know nobody's seen yet. They're playing, I think, as we speak in Detroit. Yeah, I, that that's going to be a fun game. I, I think both of those teams came in as public league sleepers – and they're both trying to, you know, they got something to prove. Uh, both in their respective, you know, in their, they play in such tough conferences. They both get overshadowed. Hyde Park, all the talk's been about Kenwood and Curie, and then vocational. All the talk is always Morgan Park, Simeon, and Bogan. So 
you know, both those, you know, Hyde Park and Vocational are, are, are both teams that are kind of looking to, to, to make a jump to, to prove they kind of belong with those teams. And, and we'll see if that happens. But Kenwood at Hyde Park would be a good one. Yeah, maybe Kenwood, if they win today, pull off that win, we might know we've got another really high-level team, too, because it, it, it's tough on the road at Hyde Park. Um, the other game, another public league one, number 14, Young, at number 16, Farragut. Young at Farragut, I've seen a lot of these games, it's always a um, a challenge. Even the best Young teams, I'm talking Jilly Okafor and company, heading into Farragut, not something I know that the Dolphins relish. They get in and out of there pretty quick. And this one's going to be tough. And I interested because I haven't seen Farragut play, uh, but from the big physicality part of it, that could give Whitney Young some problems because they don't have a whole lot of size, they don't have a lot of beef, they don't have a lot inside. So that that could be a tough matchup for Young. Yeah, that I wish you know I'm not sure if I'm going to that one yet or if I'm going to go to the other game we're about to talk about. It's uh, Bradley Bourbonnet. At Thornton, I'm tending towards heading to Thornton because I haven't seen those two teams yet, and I've seen Young and Farragut. But I guess this is this is a big one for Bradley Bourbon. I know it's early in the season, but I mean you've already lost a conference game, and now you're at Thornton. I don't know. They need this win. They need to get in there and win. And Thornton, I don't know much about. You know they've started out well. We know about Sam Taylor and Patrick Rucker from last year. They've had a couple of kids step up. Talked to Ty Streets at the Chicago Elite Classic a little bit. He's pretty happy with what he's seen. He says they've got some size and they've played well. So that that's going to be a much more important game for Bradley, I think, than Thornton. Yeah, and Thornton's coming in with, with nobody. To, they're they're in a great spot. Nobody's talking about them. Yeah. Uh, yet they're this big. They know they're a basketball giant in the South Suburbs, and here they got a team that everybody's talking about coming to their gym. And you're right, Bradley can't start 0-2 in the league. Uh, although some of those teams that we were, you know, Lincoln Way West is already 0-1, I think. Um, you know, Thornton and Thornwood are both 1-0. So, you know, I, I agree. Bradley Bourbonnet, just to kind of get a little bit of that mojo back, uh, could go into to a tough place to play and get a win would be big for them. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been uh, another, not too long, didn't quite hit an hour episode, but um, we will be back next week. (laughs) 